What's up, you guys? Welcome to this episode of the All Gas, No Breaks, Living with Physical Disability Podcast. It's your boy, Daniel McDade. I'm a 43-year-old software engineer living in the suburbs of Dallas, Texas, and I've lived my entire life with severe physical disability. It's a bird. It's a plane. Nope. That's my $25,000 power chair hurling through space over a random cotton field in Alabama. I'm sure most folks take air travel for granted. You pack, you load up your vehicle, or you call an Uber or Lyft and have them take you to the airport. You get checked in at the counter, or maybe you do self-check-in or curbside check-in. You make your way through the security checkpoint. You get on the plane and fly to your destination. At the other end, you grab your luggage off the plane or through baggage claim, and then you're on your way. I'm sure I've included some extra steps for some. Maybe you don't always check your luggage, or maybe you're allowed to bypass the GSA checkpoint. Likewise, I'm sure I've left out a step for others. Maybe you make it a point to hit up the airport bar to get sauced up enough to make this whole air travel experience more palatable. And yes, I realize this is an oversimplification. But at a basic level, this represents the most common air travel experience for the average person. But as commonplace as air travel is for all of us, this is something that the general public finds very stressful. Whether it's dealing with the TSA security checkpoints, trying to wade through the swarm of other travelers, or just trying to wrangle your own kids to your gate. All of these factors contribute to an oftentimes painful air travel experience. Now, having said all that, do you ever wonder what all this is like for a severely physically disabled person like me? Basically, take everything I said earlier and then imagine doing all of that without the ability to get up and walk around or without the ability to use your hands or legs or arms normally. Oh, I know what you're thinking. It can't be so bad. All right, let me walk you through my typical air travel experience. First step, log into the travel booking site to purchase my tickets. Man, it would be really nice to get a cheap deal for this flight. I'd really like some extra spending money for the trip. Oh, it looks like all those deals involve connecting flights. So what, Dan? Just book one of those other flights. Bless your heart, you're so new at this. You see, every time I change flights, my super expensive power chair has to do the same. I might as well take a sledgehammer to the chair and forgo the trip altogether. Because at that point, the chances of my baby reaching a final destination in working order is almost nil. At this point, I just booked the more expensive flight, and choke back tears while I hear a cast register ringing in the background. Next, I immediately call the selected airline to inform them of the king's pending arrival. Why do you even need to do that, Dan? Well, if I just roll up to the ticket counter on the day of my flight, Odds are the person at the ticket counter will turn flush with nervous rage at the mechanical carnival ride headed straight for them. The airline prefers I call ahead so that they can make a note on my reservation. I guess that little note makes all the difference in the world to the ticketing agent. Now it's time to hit up the Google machine to find a company that's able to rent me a handicapped van. Depending on my final destination, if it's a large metro area in the U.S., 
this process will go pretty smoothly. But if it's not, well, all bets are off. You see, renting a handicap van isn't like renting a regular vehicle. You could pretty much rent a regular vehicle at any podunk small town in the U.S., but handicap vans are not so easy to come by. And did I mention how expensive handicap vans are? Oh, you can rent that small Honda Civic for 40 bucks a day with a mileage allowance? That's cute. Uh, I'll be lucky if I can rent a handicap van for about four times that amount. Yeah, begrudgingly, I'll reserve the handicap van with more cash register bells going off in my head. Next up, pack my luggage. Admittedly, this step is not much different for me than it is for everyone else. I just throw a bunch of clothes into my suitcase and call it a day. The only thing related to my disability that I have to concern myself about is traveling with my charger for my power chair. Most power chair chargers are small enough to carry, and because of this, this item can also get lost easily. In order to avoid this risk, I just take this onto the plane as a carry-on item. It really helps if my trip is short, because in that case, a power chair can go several days without a charge, so I don't even need to take it on the trip at all. We've reached the day of my trip. It's time to get to the airport. As someone traveling with a severe physical disability, you pretty much have to get to the airport hours in advance. This is advice you will universally hear from every air travel expert, but this is especially important when you're disabled. You think it's rough running late to the airport? As an able-bodied individual, try pulling that stud as a severely disabled person. There's nothing quite like being hauled onto a plane like a sack of potatoes in front of the entire passenger list. Lucky for me, or unlucky if you asked me about it back then, I had a dad who really took this advice to heart. I still remember as a kid getting up at like 3 a.m. to make a 1 p.m. flight. To be fair, my dad lived about two and a half hours from the Atlanta airport, but that still put us at the airport around four and a half hours early. Alright, we've made it to the airport. Now it's time to go through pre-flight activities. As I mentioned earlier, I have no choice but to check in with the ticket agent when I first arrive. I don't have the luxury of doing a curbside check-in or self-check-in and heading straight to security. Every airline has to tag my chair before it can be allowed onto the plane. It's at this point when the ticket agent goes through a checklist of questions about my chair. How much does it weigh? Does it have batteries? Are they dry cell or wet cell? Can it fold up? <laughs> I always got a chuckle out of that question. Really, lady, look at this thing. It's a medical monstrosity. What gave you the impression that it will fold up? Well, anyway, once my chair is tagged, I head straight to the TSA security checkpoint. Oh boy, this is where the fun really begins. The security screening is both easy and difficult for someone like me. It's kind of like when you go to your local amusement park as a kid and allow all the handicapped kids to cut in line for the rides. The same principle applies here. They allow me to go straight to the front of the line, so that eliminates sitting there with everyone else. All of the good vibes end here, however, as the process of getting screened is pretty embarrassing. When I get to the security scanner, a TSA agent will immediately yell out to mark my presence. 
look, everybody, it's a crippled guy trying to fly on an airplane. At this point, someone will usher me off to the side for an awkward pat-down. And I do mean awkward. I understand these folks have to take precautions, but the whole deal is cringeworthy. You get some random dude reeking of self-hatred and regret over his career choices, awkwardly explaining how he's about to cop about 10 feels in an attempt to catch you smuggling some IED onto your flight. You caught me, bro. I'm so disgusted with my horrible disabled life that I've decided to end it all and take out a whole plane full of passengers on the way out. After this low-key sexual assault, he proceeds to check every nook and cranny of my wheelchair. The secret bomb compartment. Yeah, it's over there and back to the right, bro. Finally, they seem satisfied I'm not some terrorist disguised as a handicapped guy and allow me to make my way to the gate. Finally, I arrive at my gate. It's at this point I'm happy I got to the airport a few hours early. After that security screening, I need a little time to work through my feelings. As I always do when I get to the gate, I immediately make contact with the gate agent. Similar to the individual at the ticket counter, this person is probably none too thrilled at my arrival. I make small talk in an attempt to diffuse possible awkwardness. They let me know they'll board me first and to just hang tight. Now we wait. And we wait. And we wait some more. We hit the 25-minute mark. It's go time, folks. They're about to try and board me onto the plane. It's at this point that my mind goes into hyperdrive. I don't think people truly understand how nerve-wracking it is to allow the airport personnel to take my wheelchair. The wheelchair represents my legs. Imagine allowing yourself to go through a temporary double amputation of your legs while you're projected 25,000 feet in the air through space in a small inner tube with approximately 200 other people. In the meantime, they've just tossed your legs in the bottom of the aircraft with everyone else's luggage. Does this sound like a pleasant experience to you? When it's time to board, they allow me to drive my power chair down the jetway to the entrance of the plane. Now, if I'm lucky, I'm traveling with someone who can actually carry me onto the plane, to my seat. If I'm not so fortunate, a group of very unlucky souls will arrive with what's called an aisle chair. I'm sure you've seen them if you've done any frequent traveling at all. This contraption, as I like to call it, is the only mode of transport narrow enough to fit down the aisle of the plane. It's definitely something designed by someone who would never actually have cause to use it. It's uncomfortable as everything. They proceed to transfer me from the power chair to the aisle chair. Now, this does not always go so smoothly. I actually got dropped on my head one time during this transfer. I wasn't injured, but the airline staff were clearly having visions of pink slips in their heads at the thought of me making a huge scene. I'm taken onto the plane and transferred into my seat. Let's go. If you listen real closely during takeoff and you really pay attention, you can hear a huge thud from underneath the plane. If you've ever wondered what that noise was, well, those were my legs slamming against all of your luggage underneath the plane. The in-flight experience for me is usually not that great. For the most part, I'm really uncomfortable. I can't just sit in any kind of chair or seat. My wheelchair is custom designed to fit my body's unique needs. 
being forced to occupy a seat that is not my wheelchair is pretty painful. The flight attendants do their best by offering blankets and pillows and whatnot, but most of the flight I just suffer in silence. It should be noted that my balance is very poor. If I'm not in my wheelchair, I'm just as likely to fall over as I am to remain upright. This fact can be seen when we land. More than once over the years, I've slammed face first into the seat in front of me. This happens when the pilot slams on the brakes when bringing the plane to a screeching halt. If I'm with someone, they can just grab me and hold me back against my seat to avoid this painful conclusion. But I sometimes traveled alone growing up. In those cases, I would have to ask a complete stranger to physically embrace me while landing. So, come here often. Once I've arrived at my destination, it's always a crapshoot as to when I'll actually get to deboard the plane. I also never really knew in what condition my chair will arrive. If it's anything like me, it's not in great shape. I have to sit there while all the other passengers go on with their lives. Finally, after trading war stories with the entire cleaning crew as they pick up your trash, they inform me that my wheelchair is just outside the plane along the jetway. Great. Let's see the damage. It's at this point, I always feel a sense of dread come over me as I brought out to the chair. I guess I should be thankful my chair is actually out there at all. There are plenty of stories out there where individuals arrived at their destination, but their wheelchair, in fact, did not. That's never happened to me, personally, but I'm not too surprised that it does happen to others. Most of the time, my chair is in decent shape. I'll do a cursory check to make sure everything is in working order, and that there are no parts falling onto the ground. There have been times, however, when the chair arrives inoperable. At that point, a mad scramble ensues to try and find someone who can work on my chair to get it working again. Most time, some poor sap from the maintenance crew is stuck with the unenviable task of dealing with the situation. Keep in mind, there's a 99% chance this rube has no clue how to work an electric wheelchair. He's just some guy who happens to carry around a tool belt. I usually know more about the mechanics of my wheelchair than he will. Nonetheless, we go through a 100-point inspection trying to locate the cause. Eventually, we'll find some cord has been loosened or outright unplugged or a screw has come loose and the situation can be fixed. A few times, my arm or headrest is damaged or completely falling off. But, honestly, I'm feeling lucky if that's the extent of the damage. Do yourself a favor and Google Disability Travel Horror Stories. You will see several pages of search results where people run down their awful experiences during air travel. Some wheelchairs show up at a different location completely. Some folks get presented with a 300-pound doorstop that no longer runs. The average person is completely clueless about the total despair one feels at that point. As I said, the wheelchair represents the legs of a disabled person. Do you know how difficult and time-consuming it is to get a new wheelchair? It could take months for certain individuals to be outfitted with a custom wheelchair to replace the one that was lost or destroyed. What is the person supposed to do in the meantime? Maybe the airline will hire a personal transport agent to carry them around for months on end. I'm just thankful I've never been faced with that situation myself. It's the main reason I don't or can't travel. 
the possible disruption and inconvenience to my life makes the risk of air travel way too high. I hope you guys come away from today's show with a little bit of perspective. Next time you're standing in the security checkpoint line complaining about how stressful flying can be, just know there's some schmuck like me getting dropped on his head or having his face slammed into the seat in front of yours. Safe travels, my friends. Well, we've come to the end of this episode of the All Gas No Breaks Living with Physical Disability podcast. If you like the podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Also, please reach out to us on all social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you get a chance, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us grow. Until next time, this is Daniel McDade signing off. Keep the hammer down and never stop moving forward. Thanks for listening and have a great day.